Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you once again for episode number 10. The, I don't know, has any, has Juventus had any good number 10s lately? <laughs> I, have, I would have no I idea. I think even possibly. I think Tobias's dad is a pretty good one. So we'll go with Alessandro Del Piero. I think he qualifies rather well for that one. So basically, we are coming to you on Tuesday and we thought... It would, might be a good idea to talk to everybody after a game, seeing as last week we recorded our podcast the day before a game and Juventus went on to score three of the best goals they, they will score all season. So how did Juventus reward us this week? <laughs> well, we are about, oh, I think doing the mental math here, about an hour and a half removed from the wonderful 4-2 uh, I can't even think of a word to describe what we just saw. Uh, implosion. There we go. Against AC Milan at San Siro. And just when it was looking very good for Juventus, it turned very bad. So I will first introduce my three cohorts here. Hello, Sam. Hello, Danny. How you doing? Good. Well, I was good a couple hours ago. Relatively. Uh, <laughs> Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Yeah, good evening, lads. Uh, at least uh, just to go back to the number 10 discussion, hey, we've had some great number 10s over the last few years. So uh, at least let's cherish that and uh, 
recognize that. <laughs> always, so, uh, yeah. always the voice of reason you are, Chucks. <laughs> I try to. <laughs> and Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, man. I've been better. <laughs> As I mentioned, Juventus, just a few minutes before we started recording here, didn't exactly defend a lead quite well. So obviously that's where we're going to start this week's episode. And to you, Sam, I know you've got a match to recap after this, and I don't envy you at all, but yeah, what are your thoughts? <laughs> what are your thoughts coming out of this one, knowing that what was once 2 nothing quickly turned into 3-2, and then a few minutes after that, 4-2? I mean, I was very much transported back to, I believe it was the 2013-14 season when pretty much the exact same thing happened against Fiorentina at the Artemio Franchi where Juventus went up 2-0 and then Giuseppe Rossi ended up with a hat trick and it was weird. I, I, I think over the course of this game, I... I, I kind of agree with what Maurizio Sarri said after the game, which is that this kind of a thing is impossible to analyze. There was just a complete and utter mental drop-off after Cristiano Ronaldo scored that second goal. It looked, frankly, a lot like what a lot of what we saw in the Allegri era, where Juventus would would just kind of... After they scored a goal, that's really the all that... Um, that's 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 pretty much what I wanted to do in my post game thread today, but I, yeah, I knew I, I had to describe it a little better than that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the the it was it was it wasn't even a technique thing; it was just a total mental wipeout. It was like, all right, job's done, but they still had thirty minutes worth of defending to do. As as, as upsetting as as it was to watch, and frankly, I wasn't even that upset. I was just more numb. I was just kind of like, really. It's easy to get really reductive about this game. Like I'm sure the the Twitter sphere, I, I know because of group chats that I'm in, is you know railing against you know Daniel Edrugani is such an easy scapegoat for this game, but he's not. You know I wouldn't say that he's the reason that this happened. I just think that this was a total team mental wipeout, and it really is a shame because it 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 covers up some really positive things. Adri- where was this Adrian Rabio? all year like I, I i knew i was going to be patient with him because you know he'd been out for so long with psg but around the time of the leon game was the time i had get, kind of given up on him and around like i'm like all right you've had an entire you've had almost an entire like two-thirds of a season now and now now your time is up but but these last two games he's been really really good and has very much flipped around the, 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 the question for me of, you know, between him and Aaron Ramsey, who would you get rid of in the midfield? Right now, it's definitely Aaron Ramsey. Um, if, if, Rabi, if Rabio is going to keep playing like this, that was a fantastic goal. That's automatically top five of the season, I think. There were a couple of really sweet-looking one-touch passes that were really like Sadismo passes, and that unfortunately didn't have an end product to them. But there's there there were positive steps forward for the first 60 minutes of this game. It looked a lot like the last two games, where it wasn't so much those those first two Serie A games when we were like, well, yeah, they played okay, they they won. The 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 two games before this were very good games, and. This the first sixty minutes of this was a continuation of that. You know, M- Milan hadn't had a really dangerous shot on. You know, they had put three shots on goal in the first half. None of them had any venom in them. Chesney was 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 playing them fairly easily, but then everyone just stopped. 
and that's what happened. I think it's just it's it's one of those games that you're just going to have to kind of step back and and take as a lump and move on. And I think the team is going to be capable of doing that. It's it it's just a it's a real shame that that such a dunk happened. Yeah, I mean the game was definitely a collective failure. I mean it was I mean it was just so sudden. You know, I mean, the first half of the Milan game, of course, we're talking about. The first half was just normal. I mean, I don't think there was too much really going on. You know, a few half chances here and there. I mean, there wasn't, you know, it was kind of a cagey game. And, uh, yeah, you know, I just thought, okay, fair enough. Decent enough start to the game, uh, the first half. And then the second half, well, <laughs> lit on fire all of a sudden. You know, I mean, all the action just happened then. And, yeah, and then once again, I mean... The thing is, okay, I, I mean, I think about our two goals. So, you know, the Rabio goal and the Ronaldo goal. Personally, I think they were kind of, I mean, I think those weren't team goals either because, I mean, Rabio's goal was just a moment of really of individual brilliance, which, I mean, it was really, really fantastic goal. I actually thought it was kind of off balance when he struck, the, struck that shot. I thought, oh, man, that's, you know, shots that you strike off balance are usually, I mean, kind of wayward. But, I mean, it was perfect. It was it was brilliant, brilliant shot. So that was the first goal. And then the second goal was, I mean, you know, two center backs, Romagnoli and uh, Kier, just kind of ran into each other <laughs> kind of awkwardly. Yeah, mis- misestimated that or misinterpreted that long ball. And then, well, Ronaldo, you know, is just there and takes it and strikes it and finishes it uh, very well, of course, as well. So, but to me, I mean, those weren't really team goals. They were just kind of, I mean, individual kind of flukes that just happened. And then, well, and, and you know, you can contrast that to Milan's goals, which I thought, okay, I mean, the handball side, I thought really they were, well, okay, the handball side and fantastic assist by uh, Alexandro to, of course, uh, to Milan. So, yeah, well done, Alex. Yeah, that, um, that, was, but, that was a good first touch after not, or one of his first touches after not playing a couple of weeks. I mean, talk about a Midas God. touch. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a golden touch on that one. But, I mean, I thought there were two goals by Rebic, and I forget who scored. Oh, Rafael Leao, yep. I think it was, yeah. Yep. Um, those two goals, if I get that correctly. I mean, those were, yeah, really quite team goals. I mean, they're very good goals indeed. So, you know, you have our goals that were kind of fluke-ish goals and then Milan's goals that were team goals. And, I mean, you know, this Milan team is, I mean, it's good. I mean, they've definitely recovered from just kind of the usual shambles that they are throughout the season. And still somewhat strangely, I mean, there's, they were talking about replacing Pioli, which I was like, are you guys never satisfied? <laughs> like, well, you know, aren't, aren't they going to? Didn't they not? Aren't, I, I, thought, I thought so. I mean, I had heard... I haven't seen it as official yet, but yeah. it's 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 looking like it's looking more and more likely, which is a really raw. I mean, he'll have his pick of jobs in Italy after this because it's yeah. a really raw deal for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, taking that team and still kind of, well, not even really the team in terms of personnel necessarily, but just in terms of how unstable the club is. You know, I talked last week about. Or last episode about Gary Neville joining um, Valencia, you know, a few years ago, and how how worried I was when he did that because of just how unstable the club was. You know, likewise this with Pioli joining just such an unstable club and still doing, I mean, frankly, quite well. I mean, there's sixth place, or I think it's sixth or fifth fifth place, I think after tonight. So I mean, you know, talk about gratitude or lack thereof. But yeah, I mean, I I think 
you know, this defeat was just frankly, it was just very disheartening. It was, you know, complete collapse and just, I think, a very collective failure, which once again will make people, you know, come out with the pitchforks after or towards uh, Maurizio Sari in terms of, you know, has the team really improved over this year? I mean, it's obviously hard to tell, but then again, you, you know, you had the two games prior to that, which are, I mean, very good games. But then again, you'll say, well, it was, uh, was it Genoa and Torino, the opponents there, which, you know, once we come up against half-decent teams, then suddenly you get this collapse in concentration. This, I mean, really 30-minute, not even 30 minutes, like, well, I mean, okay, after after the second goal, it was basically, after our second goal, we basically stopped playing. So, basically a 30-minute collapse. And, yeah, I mean, you start to ask questions that, you know, on one hand, Sari will say, well, it was so chaotic that you can't really analyze such a game. But on the other hand, you'll say, I mean, this was really kind of inexcusable. I mean, some people will say maybe, okay, COVID, team was burned out. I don't know, but I mean, this was, to me, this was inexcusable. Yeah, I think just just to quickly build on on what Sam and, and Chuck said, I, you know, I tend to agree on with Sam on the, in the sense that, you know, it, it was a meltdown. It was absolutely, it, it came out of nowhere. The game was completely on hand, and then you know you get a, a, a bar assisted PK, and you know quick, quickly will play with with Cassie and your, you know, the game is tied, and then. Well, I agree that Daniele Rugani wasn't the only one to blame for this performance. You know, the third goal, the third goal is 100% on him. I mean, he, he commits a foul, they wave the play on just to, because Milan has the advantage. And then, you know, he fails to close out uh, Rafael Real on time. And then when he does close him out, the deflection goes off him. And that's why, you know, Tech is kind of like, you know, kind of misses the, the save. I mean, that was just, really really bad from him and then he played like you know with this deer in the headlight look after that i agree that it wasn't the entirety of the game his fault but he did you know i mean he did show why he's not starting more often you know it's clearly at this point he's not you know really the kind of guy that you can trust for you know to safeguard a lead but i do agree with sam mostly in the fact that listen it's a meltdown it happens you can't take away from what Juventus did in the early stages of the game and in the last couple of games in which we saw, you know, a completely different team. I think a team that is looking significantly improved, a team that is just kind of looking like they're finally getting into a groove, especially with Paolo Dybala and Cristiano Ronaldo. Of course, we didn't see Dybala today, but he was, you know, finally, you know, there's been a lot of debate both in, in the blog and in the Juventus world at large about the ability of Dybala and Ronaldo to play together. And I thought, you know, especially these last couple of games, this last, you know, stretch of games, they have been playing really, really well together. They're both scoring, they're both assisting on every game. Like, it's really nice to see. And then we, we see what we saw today, and it kind of leaves you with a, with a bad aftertaste in your mouth. But, you know, all in all, especially with Lazio kind of, you know, running out of steam. I mean, you know, Juventus are still in, in first place. They still have their destiny in their own hands. I mean, let's not get too crazy about, you know, a couple of, you know, not a couple of minutes, like 20, 30 terrible minutes. But in general, I think that the outlook is a little bit more positive for this team than I thought it would be 
Also, I would just like to very quickly pat myself on the back here because of all the terrible takes I've had on Juve players, uh, I was right with Adrian Rabiot. I knew that guy would pan out eventually. You know, he's been great the last couple games. He's the type of player that has been has probably benefited the most from from this whole shutdown because he's the type of guy that just needs to play and the more he plays kind of like the more he gets into rhythm and he hadn't really had this chance of starting a lot of games in a row and he's finally showing kind of like his talent and kind of why why he was brought into the squad i think you know he's been one of the better players for juve last you know two or three games so really happy to see his development i think that's one of the the bright spots of, of this whole stretch you know, it's funny. I thought you were going to say that uh, your take about uh, Rugani was going to be right. I, know, I, I was waiting for something about Rugani, too. So you're not the only one, Chucks. Yeah, I, I really actually, did. I was actually Same about, like, I was about to tweet that he was playing really well, and then the whole meltdown happened. Like, he was playing well. Like, he wasn't doing that badly. But, I mean, you know, he's just... Also, considering the fact that Rugani, this was his first game since the shutdown. So he doesn't have his sea legs under him either. His yeah, first game since February. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit harsh to kind of like pin the whole defeat on him. But, you know, he's, I mean, at this point, I think he's ran out of chances with you, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I obviously feel for Lugani. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of trial by fire, I guess, for this to be his first game after or since February, I think it was, you said, you know. But, I mean, I don't know. Once again, I, he's, not a, he's not new to Juventus. He's not a newbie to any Juve affairs, to any big games with Juve. So, you know, I, I find it, I mean, I'm not going to excuse him for being rusty. It's, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Then again, he had, he did have COVID, but then again, Dybala had COVID as well. I don't know. Poor performance and just, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, hit on him personally, but that was a pretty forgettable performance. But just to add kind of to what I said earlier, and I actually misspoke, I actually meant to say, after the equalizer by Gessier, that was really when, you know, I thought everything kind of went to went to smithereens. But no, I think to me, the thing that was definitely most concerning was something that Fefu mentioned in the comments, which was, you know, we conceded nine shots on target against, against this Milan side, obviously four of which were goals, but, you know, nine shots on target, which I'm pretty sure the majority of which were in the second half basically a majority of which were after after our goals or you know some basically yeah, after second half uh, I mean that's just very concerning and again speaking about match control I felt that after after we scored you know after the Ronaldo goal I didn't you know I, I didn't necessarily see I mean I saw kind of a, a desire for consolidation so to consolidate the lead which fair enough okay but after Milan scored the, I think really after they scored a second goal, I mean, it was just, you know, they weren't going to consolidate. They weren't going to say, okay, great. We got to come back. You know, we'll settle with that. I mean, they kept going, 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 going. Uh, Really, that's, I think this was one of the best examples of momentum, just the power of momentum in football, really. Once you just, once you have that momentum from either scoring one or two goals, I mean, it's just, you can just keep on going and carry that momentum with you. I mean, we saw that from Milan, and they it was really one of those, every time they were attacking, I was like, well, Lord, <laughs> Lord help us. You know, so um, that, to me, was 
definitely pretty jarring. So, uh, yeah, not great, Bob, as they would say. <laughs> I, I think you're. I think you're right there, Chucks. I, I think that there was such a stark difference. The way that, because something that I was thinking about talking about until this until this game was how over the last two games before this, there seemed to be a click in terms of mentality. And the team, the the entire team looked all of a sudden like they were starting to spit blood and they were really like starting to zone in. And and I think the Torino game especially, which is what Sadi always wants in in his teams, was this desire to just keep on pushing down on their throats. They went for every single goal and and the the way that and I don't know why that seemed to suddenly switch off after Ronaldo's second goal or after Ronaldo's goal, the, the second goal by Ronaldo, I guess, where, where they just, again, like it was, it, it's a thing that happens so often this season, but also a lot of other seasons, uh, you know, the, you would see the times against the leg with Allegri where we would score a goal and then just kind of sit back and be like, all right, we got the one. And that was to me, a little it 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 just it it seems like that happens with us regardless it's you know you talk about Pazza Inter when Inter messed the mess up the way they did their last game but the same thing kind of happens to us but the difference is that we always seem to get back on track before it becomes critical and that didn't happen today the good news is with Lazio losing again and the, that that just tells you the depth the the question of depth is Lazio is really showing that they don't have the depth to really kind of take this sprint schedule the way they were able to handle, you know, a Europe-less winter before the shutdown. It comes down to the fact that Juventus could still lose against both Atalanta and Lazio and control its own destiny to the end of the season. We don't want that, but that's something that could that that is still in play. It could very well have been sealed up today, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it's really, it's kind of as you were for the beginning of the day. And it, 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 at, the end, at the end of the day, I don't think it's, it makes a huge impact in the title race. At least yeah, not definitely. at this stage. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, kind of like harping back to what, what you mentioned about attitude. I thought the same thing against both Genoa and Torino. You could definitely feel that kind of like change in mentality kind of like they felt blood in the water and, and, and went at them you know that they never stepped off their necks and it was great to see you know i mean three three nil four you know you scored three goals and four goals and then the same thing it, it seemed like it was happening against milan you know rabio scored that that screamer and then you know ronaldo takes that advantage of that miss missed up by the Milan defense, which at the time I thought was hilarious. Because I didn't think that could happen to us. And then, you know, immediately afterwards, like, we, we do it even worse. But, you know, it really did look like, okay, so here we go. Like, this is, like, a couple goals, comfortable lead. Like, it's going to be the same thing. And, you know, I mean, also credit to Milan. I mean, they, they kind of, you know, get, get bailed out a bit with the PK call, which, by the way, for a team that, supposedly gets all the calls and it's always been aided by the ref. Like we've had some terrible luck with with like bar assisted PKs, but you know, they get that one and I think it was an incorrect call. Yeah, I mean I think we, we can sit here and debate 
all day whether or not those calls are correct. I mean, I think they, they've been going you know, for and against Juve the, the entire season, I think. It was but, certainly you know, more the, of a penalty than, than Delict's was. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I agree with that. But, you know, I mean, if we, if we start talking about whether or not it's a PK, we'll, we'll have to dedicate an entire podcast to it because it's, it's such a... <laughs> I mean, no one ever knows when it's a PK or not. It's always up to, the, to whatever the ref is thinking at the moment. So, you know, well, they kind of get that one, and, and they score really quickly again. And it's just, it, it didn't, to me at least, it didn't feel like a, so much like an institutional thing or like a, like a team problem thing. It really did feel like a couple, like a few bad minutes here, a few bad breaks there. And, you know, then Alexandro comes in and just, complete you know brain fart and the trying to switch the play i mean it, and then the game's over and they didn't even know what happened i mean i wouldn't you know it obviously sucks because it, it's Milan. you always want to keep them but at the end of the week i guess i'm still i take more positives than negatives from the last you know three games that we saw uh, in the in the interim between recording i also just want to say really quick you know as in milan kind of like a i mean Good team. I mean, we've struggled against them every single time we've played them this year, both in Copa and in league play. I mean, they're just kind of like a cagey team that, that has been tricky for us. So, you know, I was kind of half expecting this game to to go badly just because of, you know, they've been hard to beat and we didn't have Dybala, we didn't have the league. And, you know, it did. It did. It, end up, it ended up happening. We lost. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, obviously, we've mentioned him sporadically, but how happy are we knowing that Juventus just allowed four goals to a team that, albeit they've been playing well of late, but are still, you know, obviously far off the pace in terms of being amongst the top tier of Italian teams these days? How happy are we that Matthijs De Ligt is going to be back against easily the best, <laughs> the best attacking team that this country has to offer? And Chucks, I hope I said it right. Of course he did. No, no. <laughs> it's really not that dramatically difficult Dutch name. I mean, for for Dutch standards, that's like a very like flat name. I mean, there there are more <laughs> like I mean, people get like Snyder's name wrong. I, I find that more difficult than uh, than the Licht. But anyway, that's uh, <laughs> that's besides the point. No, I think I'll just segue into the uh, talking about the uh, the young little boy himself. Then uh, the Licht. Yeah, I mean, I think yes, little. He's... Little is what you associate with him. <laughs> I mean, he's young. He's young. He's, I mean, he's, he's really young. Disproportionately large, but he's he's definitely young. Um, definitely, his absence was well sorely felt. With you know, with Rugani deputizing in his stead, and I think it just shows. I mean, how much we can appreciate his recovery from the shaky start of the season to really, I mean, how well he has been ever since i mean kind of halfway the season since since really that it's been a fantastic recovery for someone that it's his first season in the new league he's still i mean i forget what 19 20 years old 
and in such a, you know, in such a, I mean, in such a defensively nuanced league like the Italian one, and going from, more importantly, going from such a different style of football with Ajax to one of Juventus. I mean, it couldn't be more different in terms of styles of play going from, you know, that free-flowing, I mean, just, you know, relentlessly free style of play of Ajax. I mean, they'll just, you know, they genuinely enjoy playing football towards, you know, the slightly more, I mean, I'll just say it, but slightly more cynical style of play of, well, Italy, Italy first of all, and uh, Juventus, secondly. Yeah, I mean, you know, all credit to him. And I mean, it's only, you know, it's all upward. It's all an upward trajectory for him from here. I think it's it's fantastic to see him and and just having adapted to uh, and also new coach again, you know, as well. I mean, from going from a coach that had been here, Allegri, who had been at the club for so long to joining a club in kind of a transition and an aging squad as well. I mean, we have to admit that too. Something that that's really dawned, I think, is dawning on me and and other people is when you look at Delict and you look at Leonardo Bonucci and you see the way Bonucci played today because he did not play that well. He's not getting a good grade for me when I go into my computer to start typing. <laughs> you know, Bonucci. You know, back before he he took his his sojourn to Milan. I feel like, you know, a lot of people, me included, were referring to him as the best center back in the game. You know, he was having that kind he was in that kind of form. But the the more I look at him, the more I think he really is the kind of supplemental center back, the second guy. Because if he doesn't have a guy like Giorgio Chiellini or like Delict in the form that he has been in the last few weeks next to him he's diminished he's not that kind of you know he's not the guy that Pep Guardiola wanted to bring to Manchester City for like 70 or 80 million euros back you know back in the day he's you know he's good for what he does but I think you know it it's it we're gonna have a little bit of a rethink on the kind of player that Leo is now when you really look at games like this when he's you know got Rugani next to him who I think who I think is talented and I think if he goes somewhere where he can start consistently he can be good he wouldn't be transcendent but I think he would be good he and Rugani certainly don't feed off each other the way he does with Chiellini and Ligt and I think when he is when he is relied on to lead the back four it's not something he's really up to and it makes me question his place in in the captain's hierarchy as well I, I couldn't agree more with you. Absolutely, I, I I saw someone on the on the Twitter world overreacting as usual and being like, Bonucci has been carried his entire career by Chiellini and and Barzagli, and now he's being carried by Delict. I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, he the, the, the rational the rational world of Twitter. How yeah, definitely. You know, completely measured takes over there, but. You know, I wouldn't say that he's been carried his entire career, but I do agree with, with Sam and the fact that he's not that type of, you know, destroyer defender, kind of like a rock type of defender like Georgia Kidney, like Delic has shown he is in the last couple of months. So I, I would 100% agree with you on that. And when he needs to be the guy, he has failed 
I wouldn't say consistently, but he hasn't really been that top tier 1A type of guy. So it's definitely, I'm really, really glad that the Lakers coming back against, you know, to play against Atalanta. That's going to be a, a hell of a match. And I'm really, really happy he's, he's going to be back. And if you want to look at the positive of this game, you know, both Dybala and the Ligt, arguably two of your most, you know, I'm not three, two out of three of your best players right now got some very needed rest. If you want to look at the bright side, you know, they didn't play at all. They were playing a lot of minutes before this game. So, I mean, you know, glass half full, glass half full type of take, but I'm guessing they're going to be pretty refreshed to, to face probably not the best side in Italy, but definitely the most like interesting and fun to watch. And we talk about Lazio still being seven points back. We're recording this on Tuesday. Atalanta plays on a Wednesday. They win that game. They're only nine points back. And then say they upset Juventus, then <laughs> suddenly people are going to be like, Atalanta, Scudetto? So, I mean, and, and, and I would hate to see it because I'm a Juve fan, but I mean, you could, I mean, I couldn't think of a better team to actually pull that off than Atalanta. They're just super fun to watch. It would, it would just be the most Atalanta thing ever to be like, suddenly. Here, here they are, you know, they, they struggle and they drop points earlier in the season. And then they just go on this ridiculous run. It's in the both domestically and the Champions League. It's, it's stopped for three months because of a world pandemic. And then all of a sudden they just pick up right where they left off. And they suddenly find themselves in, the, in a title race after everything that's gone on. So Not only that, they're, they're in the quarterfinals already, right? Yeah. For the Champions yeah. League. Like, I mean, that's just... Yeah. That, that's a FIFA career mode of the season they're having, like when they're just like out of nowhere, they're in the quarterfinals. Like, I mean, it's, it's a great story. You really do love to see it. And also when you think about how badly hit Bergamo was yeah. by the epidemic, you know, I wouldn't want it to happen, but if we had to lose the the streak, I'd rather lose it to Atalanta than to Lazio. Yeah, that, that, it, I, I find a, a small part of myself going, why do Juventus have to play Atalanta now? Because they're they've just be, they've become like my obviously I don't have any any rooting interest in them but they've become kind of the the go to team to watch when Juventus isn't playing for me because obviously with the way the schedule is these days it seems like there's a game on every day and I'm kind of you know checking the schedule where's where's Antalanta playing where and I mean I know what I'm going to be doing Wednesday afternoon here before I go to work and it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be watching Antalanta play Santoria because. Samp sucks, and Atalanta could very well beat them by five or six goals the way those two teams are going. But, yeah, no, it, it, it'll it be very interesting to see how Juventus react. I think we can all agree on that. And not only against anybody, but against the hottest team going these days. And, you know, if we thought Milan made Juventus pay for some of their defensive mistakes, you know damn well Atalanta – is going to be just throwing dudes forward right and left and from every which way in between. And I mean, they're, they're going to be, I mean, they, they, they're playing with house money. They, they've got a, a nice, I believe they've got a nice lead on Roma now and the, the rest of the guys chasing the, the, the champions league spots. So, I mean, they, they can, they can pay attention to the league. They don't have to worry about Champions League until August like Juventus. And, I mean, it's just they're, they're just so damn fun to watch. It is worth remembering, though, that they looked the better team for most of the first game that we played them in Bergamo this year. 
and then Juve popped out three goals from down one to 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 take that game. And and we we mentioned this I think in the last pod as well. The will a team like Atalanta be easier for Juventus to play against because they're not going to be they're not going to have any interest in stacking a defense. They are going to play their game, which will probably give Juve the room to play theirs. Um, and I think that is it's that's going to be really fascinating to see because Juve is, I think, starting to click in a little bit more with the system. Atalanta obviously are you know do what Atalanta do. That that's going to be really really fun to watch. I think we might be really see to use your term, Chucks, a champagne football game on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully in the right direction, though. Not in... Uh, not, uh, in, in the <laughs> for the other and, guys. And this concludes our segment. We, we become an Atalanta fan podcast for like five minutes. All right. Black and white and Atalanta all over. Like uh, traitors. <laughs> just to be clear, we do want to win the title. Like we do, like the, the hope of this podcast is that Juventus wins the title. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Let's transition into some Twitter questions here from our buddy just at Justin Soforio. How can we blame the Milan loss on Delict? He wasn't there. <laughs> he he was wasn't indeed. He wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't. I, 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 did, I know we haven't mentioned it yet. One more thing on the Milan game. They cut to Giorgio Chiellini after the last goal on the world feed, which I assume is the one ESPN uses. And the look on his face was, I think, probably about as universal as a look as anybody could have been if they were a Juventus fan. I mean, if if looks could kill, yeah. Giorgio Chiellini's look could have, <laughs> could have killed a lot of things. You know, we've talked a lot. We've talked a little bit about you know who would you drop? Would you you know who would you drop for Chiellini? And the the question had, the, the answer had been Delict the first time. This was I think the the five, the five of us because I think Hunter was on that that pod as well. I'm starting to wonder if Bonu, if dropping Bonucci and playing Chiellini and Delict together would be interesting. Certainly wouldn't lack for Grinta now, would it? Yeah, well, it'd be a pretty uh. Pretty merciless backline. I mean, because you know? I mean, Bonucci usually brings this, yeah, you know, the more of the uh, the guile, I guess, and just a little bit more of the elegance. Yeah, Bonucci or for Chiellini and De Ligt together. I mean, that would be a that be a school of hard knocks right there. Actually, to to take that question into kind of a serious bend from the De Ligt uh, issue. So I mean, obviously he was absent because he had yellow card accumulation for, caused by that yellow card offense against uh, Torino, which, I mean, once again brings us to the whole discussion of, well, handball, frankly. I mean, handball rules just continue to confuse, I mean, everyone and everything 
every year, frankly. And I found this article about, about it, which was, well, from last year, from when they changed the handball rules. Uh, actually, yeah, a year and a month ago. So anyway, it's a pretty lengthy article, but there's one point I want to highlight here, which is, quote, greater clarity is needed for handball, especially on those occasions when non-deliberate handball is an offense. The, the rewording of the handball rule follows a number of principles, and they list a few, but I want to highlight this one here. It is natural for a player to put their arm between their body and the ground for support when falling. Okay, fair enough. But then it says, if the ball comes off the player's body or off another player of either team who is close by onto the hands slash arms, it is often impossible to avoid contact with the ball. So that's an interesting point there. You know, they say that it is often impossible to avoid contact with the ball if it comes off your body or someone else's body and then onto the arm. Well, how did the Ligt's handball offense happen? It came off his thigh onto his arm. And, you know, once again, it just adds to the confusion that there is around the handball rule, which, you know, from this quote that I just read, it seems to say that they say, okay, you know, it comes via his body part A. You know, we get it. That, you know, that's fine. Like, it's not, we don't think that's an issue. But, yeah, now here it says, you know, if it comes off your body part and they're like or well then we see the situation where it came off his thigh and then it gets rewarded a penalty so frankly i'm still confused that's moral story i'm still confused that, that moral story like, chucks is confused that that one was weird because i think it came after the fact that the referee actually didn't like because of the sun he couldn't watch the replay and he said to the bar you know to the virtual assistant referee it was like okay, you like I can see it. Like I, I cannot see the screen right now. Do you think it's PK? And he was like, Yep. And I was like, okay, let's call it. Like it's 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 widely inconsistent how they call that. And it was also really interesting to me that I saw like on the on the actual feed, the, the feed that you know the, the rat is supposed to be watching. And it was very, you know, the, the image wasn't really clear and you could make the case that it didn't really bounce up his thigh. He calls the PK, whatever. And then in the halftime, the broadcast group shows like a much, much clearer, kind of like better rest replay of the play. And you can very clearly see it bounced off his thigh. And the, the ESPN deporter announcers were actually openly wondering, like, what type of replay do they get to see if like our, our own broadcast replay is like much clearer than the ones they are actually seeing? Like, what what type of, of images are they watching here? Like it's it's just it's been widely inconsistent all over, and I I think it's one of those things that you can't even even blame Serie this time. Surprisingly enough, it's not really their fault. Like that's happening in leagues all over. Like the 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 rulings of bar are like all over the place. It's it's insane. I mean, at the time I was really for bar. I don't know if that's the case anymore because they're just using it. It's, so inconsistently and to call so many like dicky tacky calls both for and against Juventus like this is not like a you know they screwed us over type of take but you know they just if this is what they're going to use it for I don't even know if it's the best use for it I thought you know at the time it was just going to be used for like really blatantly missed calls but now they're just using it for everything and it's yeah it's really I mean I don't know Again, we could do a whole podcast just on like bar controversy. Question here from 
at Arthur Schmidt the fourth. Clearly, Juventus lacked depth and quality along the entire back line. What position takes precedent? Is it through the transfer market or players currently out on loan? And I believe pretty much the only defender out on loan these days are Luca Pellegrini and Sergio Romero's twin brother, Christian Romero. Cousin, actually. Or cousin. Cousin? Okay. Cousins. Yeah. If Luca Pellegrini is not a part of the team next year, someone is insane. It would be um, nice to at least have a natural left back as a backup I, left back. Yeah, I mean, lo- loaning him out this year was insane. I mean, I don't understand. Sometimes I don't understand what Fabio Paratici's idea of adequate depth is because last year, going into last year, play when we were going, we knew we were going to be playing a formation that required three midfielders. We only had five on the roster. This year, we end up with three fullbacks to cover two spots and a one, which, and, you know, frankly, to be totally honest with you, I'd, next year I'd be totally fine with Juan and Danilo, with Juan and Danilo one, two on the depth chart right back. I actually don't mind that idea right now, but. And the I, irony, I that, you know, the irony is that our, our best fullback right now is not even a fullback. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, true. that's exactly um, it. I disagree with the the implication of this question that the entirety of the back line lacks depth and skill because the center back position, I don't think that's the case. You know, Demiral, very good. Romero has looked very good on loan this year, this year at Genoa. He looked pretty good in the Genoa game. And I, I, I think that we're looking at full back depth. We need at least one. I mean, uh, keep Luca Pellegrini and don't send him away. But after that, fr- frankly, I think you're looking at another midfielder, someone like Awar from Lyon, and and then another a, a number nine to replace Iguain. That that that's what I'm thinking. I, I I don't necessarily think that you. I think that, frankly, if you keep Romero around, you don't have to spend any money on the back line unless you want to throw in a fifth fullback. Which, yeah. considering one of our fullbacks is Mattia De Siglio, who is. Like a walk-in hospital bill. Like I mean, that guy, he gets injured all the time, and it sucks for him. Like it's not like I mean, I'm sure he would not like to be like he would like not to be injured. But I mean, what type of you know for a guy who's supposed to be like insurance and you know, you're supposed to be able to rely on him whenever there's an injury in any of the other positions. Like the fact that he is always injured, like it's probably not the greatest insurance. So I mean. I would be perfectly okay with them, you know, bringing Pellegrini and maybe bring bring someone else because, yeah, if you're going to be playing with two fullbacks every game, you do need a little bit more depth, I think. And maybe just convert Cuadrado to fullback permanently, frankly. I mean, at this point, hell, why not, really? But yeah, I mean, he's in his 30s as well, so, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, in any career renaissance or something or any kind of, like... You know, fighting for the Ballon d'Or or something. So you know, he's uh, he did have some pretty rough defending today. Yeah, yeah. He, he he got dropped on his ass a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True that. But that's but the I've, first time that that's happened in a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he has been honestly pretty good right back overall. And like I said, our best fullback so far. Actually, I, I just want to make the, make a, a point about the previous question again about good old VAR slash VAR, which who knows, which, which is it, VAR or VAR? <laughs> you tell me. Uh, leave, leave a comment, please. Leave a comment. Which is it, VAR or VAR? 
Uh, I'll leave it to you, the people. Soliciting for comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to the people. Democracy, okay. people. It's not dead yet. Dying, but not dead yet. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think really the issue with VAR is, and I didn't want to do it, but I'm going to have to do it anyway. But Tim Vickery made a great point about Drink. VAR. I know I didn't want to do it, but I, I, I'm just too like I'm too nice. I always want to like attribute you know comments to people that have actually said it. I don't want to be like oh I said it. You're, you want yeah. a proper as a as a a a journalist myself. I can yeah. say that you want to properly cite your sources. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean you know bibliography and all that works cited. <laughs> um, so so but no, he made a great point about it, and he said look like the difference between say goal line technology and VAR is, I'll just go for VAR. VAR is that goal line technology was so uncontroversial because it's such a black and white or black or white decision. It's did the ball cross the line? Yes or no. That's it. That's, that is, that's a dichotomous. And like, such a decision you know. comes instantaneously too. So that's exactly. another thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's just a very dichotomous issue. It is, Either yes, it crossed, or no, it didn't cross. VAR, I mean, it's about fouls, it's about handballs, it's about a push here in the side, it's about did the ball go out on the touchline. Yes, these are very, very, very gray area decisions. And, I mean, you can look at, say, a handball decision 10 times and come up with 11 different verdicts, and that's exactly the issue, you know. And that's I think that's really the core of which of why VAR is so problematic uh, since it got implemented. And frankly, why I was not in favor of VAR either. I thought it was just going to make, it was frankly, it was going to outsource the controversy from the referee, like, oh, the referee made the wrong decision towards, well, the technology, did it, you know, did it look good from this angle, that angle? Oh, wait, let's replay it slower and faster. And, you know, I think you're just shifting blame from one source to the other but you're not actually fixing the blame so i think really we want it's like we wanted a black or white decision from something that's just a complete gray area issue which is you know instance like these so i'm not in favor of var but anyway let's not let's not go into that like sergio said we can we can have a var specific podcast because surely this is not the last time we're going to be talking about var a Vari specific podcast. Vari specific podcast. The old lady Vars. We'll wrap things up on a fun question from at Caleb Turrentine, and I hope I pronounced that right. If you could bring one defender back from the last decade to help this year, who would it be? Considering playing time, depth, fit, chemistry, etc. The, ans- the answer is always Simone Padawan, even though he's not well, a defender. Yes, but <laughs> but uh, no, Stefan Licksteiner. Yes. Just for the simple fact that I could use that one gift of him with the oversized Puma boot all the time on Twitter. Uh, I actually want to say, <laughs> nice, <laughs> good shout. I actually want to say a bit of an odd shout here, but I'll say uh, Lilian Turam, actually, simply because he was still really good. Last decade, though, Chucks? Wasn't it? Oh, you wait, missed, you, missed the, you missed the important part there. Buddy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, mate. Yeah, no, sorry. I was thinking far we'll, back. We'll edit this out. No. I, think, I think a decade is actually shorter than it looks. <laughs> you no, went, two, it you went two decades. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I think definitely a full, I mean, just frankly, given the current situation and given our discussion uh, just now, I mean, definitely. <laughs> 
definitely a fullback. I would, yeah, have to go for Liechtsteiner as well. I mean, obviously, like the early stage Liechtsteiner. I mean, he was still good throughout, obviously, but his pinnacle was, without a doubt, the kind of first, the first few years. I mean, definitely that first year, that first season. I mean, that was that was just relentless play from him. But uh, if we can stretch it to two decades, then Lilian to them. Yeah, I think, you know, as much as I, I think the obvious answer is Lucio, of course. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he was like, he played, you know, like three games in 2010 or something like that. But, but no, I, I, I would agree with a fullback, but I would actually, as much as he kind of, you know, soured on, on the Juventus fans' minds after he left the club. I would actually love to see Danny Alves in this in this club in, uh, in that no. right back spot. He's not the most likable guy, I will give you that. But he's you know to have a, he's, he's a glorified winger. Yeah, but I mean would you rather have him or Juan Juan Alvarez right now in that spot? I mean I think it would bring I think he brings like a I kind of want Juan more. Juan actually cares when he's trying to defend. Alves just thinks that defending is the annoying thing that he has to try and do until he gets to go forward again. Oh, well, we just disagree on that one. But, I mean, to be I fair, would, I, I think he would, fit, he would fit well with Savi's system, I think, Alves, Danny Alves. Yeah, um, I think it would feel, fit really well. And, you know, despite he had a low start, uh, a slow start for Juventus, you know, I think he finished that year so so well and he showed that I mean you know when he's plugged in he can be a really good you don't defender. count Cardiff yeah well we don't really count that at all like that game <laughs> never happened in general you know but I mean he closed that that year fantastically he had he had a banner performance against Barcelona and those I believe they were quarterfinals uh, you know, they, he completely shut down that right side, you know. So I, I would really enjoy seeing him, you know, in this team. You would have much more flexibility up front. You would have, you know, Cuadrado kind of like giving depth both as a right back and as a, you know, right winger. Kind of gives you a lot more to, to play with if you're Mauricio Sari. So, yeah, that, that would actually be very interesting for me to see. By the way, just for the record, Danny Alves is playing in Brazil now, and he's actually playing as a trequartista. He's not playing as a <laughs> as a as a defender. Of course he is. Oh, he went because he went back to Brazil. Like they just told him, like, man, did you play, man? Where, where did you want to play? You want to be a keeper? Let's do it. I mean, at that point, he's basically retired, and he's just like, yeah, but I still want to play. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just selling shirts at this point. While you guys were talking, I punched up the roster from Juventus's first title of the current title run and may I offer up a Fabio Grosso or a Paolo De Chigny? I was going to say Grosso honestly but I thought nah, <laughs> what, was I don't the, know. what was the second one you said? Uh, DJ Paulino Oh De Chigny um, oh, yeah, yeah. And of course also, the, the, one, the one that actually makes sense among those on the roster is Andrea Barzagli but you know well, don't forget about Federico Peluso as well. He yes. he's still not that bad. He, we'll we'll be seeing him in a in a few games. So on that note, we got our, our we got our Tim we got our Tim Vickery that. we got our Tim Vickery reference in there, and we got our our, our Fabio Grosso and Federico Peluso <laughs> reference in there as well. So on that note, we'll wrap things up here. I want to thank as always you guys for for listening and sending in your Twitter questions. A lot like the week before, a lot of the questions came up just in the natural conversation. So. 
kind of figured it'd be redundant to talk about it again. Oh, can I, uh, sorry, can I add a very unprofessional, uh, of shout course out? you can interrupt me. Uh, sorry. A very, uh, <laughs> completely not related to football at all. Completely irrelevant, but I did want to shout out to my girlfriend, Andrea for our one year anniversary that we celebrated last weekend. So I, uh, I love her dearly. So Woot, That's right. one year. We'll make sure. All you need is love. Yeah, we'll make sure. Burr, 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 burr. We'll make sure to make a gif of, of you dancing Chuck's insert into the into the post on the blog. So <laughs> as he goes silent. So <laughs> as always, you can listen to us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you all for listening as the season has been going on and we hope to uh, hopefully have something a little better to talk about next week. So for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much. Stay safe and we'll talk to you next time.